Hey everybody, welcome back to Deserts of Plenty. My name is Ralph, uh, and I like to talk about things. <laughs> that's that's how I'm that's what I'm gonna say. Make it shorter. I just find the world a very interesting place, harder to navigate now than it used to be. In some ways, some ways easier, some ways harder. Um, and uh, uh, you know, just in the way that, boy, if you wanted to eat right, like you know, if you wanted to eat the best things that were for you, where would you turn to to get that information? Uh, your doctor, uh, nutritionist, the internet. Uh, you know, if you'd asked me that before, I would have said science. I would have said, well, the institutions that are set up by the government in order to protect us. You know, like the, the government does a really good job in keeping, making sure our water is safe to drink for the most part. Not everywhere in this country, unfortunately. But for most people, we have access to clean drinking water. We fill our glasses and drink water and don't even think twice about it. We go to the grocery store, we buy whatever. We don't think very much about, is this food safe to eat? We just take it for granted by and large. Um, but I, you know, to me that is changing the ground beneath our feet is shifting somewhat in that I don't know that we can necessarily trust the government institutions that have been set up to protect us because of the corrupting power of money. Now, I, you know, I don't, uh, this is not to say that the people who work in these institutions are bad people. That's a whole separate thing about how good people can work in institutions that are monstrous or bad, uh, who's, who are the institution themselves can be disruptive where, but the people within them can be great. My example that I like to talk about is the, the Toronto district school board, the TDSB that I have a lot of, have had a lot of interactions with considering I have three children. And I think the TDSB as an institution is a toxic, terrible place. But I think the people who work within that are great. My, by and large, my interacting with teachers has been overwhelmingly positive. Administrators of schools, overwhelmingly positive. Very few bad interactions with teachers or administrators. Um, and even those ones, I walked away feeling they're so overwhelmed that it's really difficult for them to do things. And I think that's true of a lot of the teachers that I know, have talked to, have interacted with. You know, the institution makes their life not easier, but more difficult. Anyway, that's a separate issue. But it, it, it's just the idea that the things that were set up by government institutions or other big power structures in order to make our lives better, and and most of institutions still function pretty well. Again, those examples of our food, our water. You know, I I think emergency preparedness in general those things work quite well especially if you think historically how they have worked or didn't even exist um but that's not to say everything's perfect and i and i find harder to navigate this world anyway that's what this podcast is about this is what i'm trying to puzzle out and reason out 
and just trying to do what's best for me and sharing whatever things I find out with other people. And he, there's a, a really interesting book called The Rape of the Mind and the author's name escapes me, but should do a whole podcast on that. But essentially he's talking about when people are stressed, that's when they become very open to suggestion. So I think Pavlov's dogs, everybody kind of knows that experiment wherein Pavlov was a condition, he conditioned dogs so that when they heard the ringing of a bell, they would salivate because he rang a bell and gave them food. And eventually he just ring the bell and they would salivate. So he, he was able to give them a conditioned response. They were conditioned to salivate in response to a bell. So that's a, that's an unconscious or subconscious. They had no control over it. And, uh, but what a lot of people don't know is that, uh, Pavlov did a lot of work on human beings and conditioning human beings and, uh, for good and ill, I think mostly ill really. Uh, and that work went on to, you know, it was used by the KGB, uh, and uh to torture people um anyway i don't know why i got on the topic of conditioning i'll come back to all of that stuff but here's what i want to talk to you about today and and it's the idea that two things can be true at once you know i uh and so okay first of all what do i mean by two things can be true well things aren't black and white generally in fact it's hard to see things many things as just black and white holy good or holy bad but it seems like that's the world that we live in today especially in this part of the world and it seems that it's exacerbated by politics so here's an example so okay so is fire good or is fire bad well it depends on the context if you're lost in the woods in the middle of the night and you're freezing fire is a very good thing however uh, recently in Canada, we've seen this fire to be a very destructive thing. So it's, it's not a leap of logic to, to get that, that fire can be very good in certain situations, bad in other situations, probably neutral in third situations. But there's a, there's, it's not either or. There is a, there's a, a scale, there is a spectrum of whether it is good or bad. And I think that's very true about most things. But it seems that we've lost that. So, so here's a, another example. Like, is our our carbohydrates or is sugar good or bad? Uh, again, in certain situations it's good. In other situations it's bad. In that case, it's kind of the dose seems to be relevant. Um, without getting too much into the politics of of sugar and carbohydrate consumption. Um, but uh, okay, so I remember when I was. Uh, in the early late part of the 20th century early part of the 21st century i guess more in the 21st century i participated on um, these political boards and i would often have discussions with fairly conservative people who thought that uh climate change was not caused by human beings and they would laugh at the assumption the assertion that carbon dioxide could be harmful because in their minds carbon dioxide is plant food Therefore, the more carbon dioxide, the more there is for plants to eat, the better. And they couldn't see that two things could be true. That yes, more carbon dioxide may make it easier for plants to grow. But at the same time, this carbon dioxide acts as like a blanket over the human, over the human, over the earth and traps heat. 
So if you're a liberal, you kind of see that pretty easily. If you're, or especially, sorry, if you accept the scientific consensus that uh, human, that climate change is caused by human activity, you see that pretty easily. If you reject that hypothesis, you have a harder time seeing that, which is a true thing about human beings. You know, if you, uh, if you are a coffee drinker and someone tells you, oh, it turns out that coffee drinkers live five years longer on average than non-coffee drinkers. Well, if you drink coffee, you're going to be more inclined to just believe that and accept it. If you don't, then you may be less inclined to accept that. Uh, in fact, this happened uh, with someone close to me who we were having a conversation about Harry Potter and I was looking for a new uh, book series to read to my daughter and uh, we were talking about various ones and, and then he said to me, well, the bonus is if you read blah, 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 you won't be reading the work of a anti-Semitic turf. And I was like, anti-Semitic? I've heard the accusations of turf leveled at um, J.K. Rowling, but not anti-Semitic. Or I had, but as a joke. And uh, and he said, oh, yes. And, and he went on to explain to me that the, the depictions of the uh, goblins in the movie re resembled old derogatory descriptions of Jewish people. And I laughed because that was something that Jon Stewart had said as a joke. And then I think it was Newsweek ran it as a real thing that he actually called J.K. Rowling anti-Semitic. And he came on in the air and he, he rebuffed that. And he said that it was a joke. And he took Newsweek to task. I shouldn't say Newsweek. I'm not exactly sure who published it. Um, but whatever the organization was that published it, he took them to task for, you know, basically creating a story out of nothing. Uh, and this person in my life was really inclined to believe that because they have a very dim view of J.K. Rowling. And so that's the one thing about it, black and white and not accepting that two things can be true. You know, two things can be true. J.K. Rowling can be a turf, but also not anti-Semitic. That's two things that can be true. She can be very progressive in some places and regressive in other places. And I'm not going to get into what side, side you know, Assuming, you know, again, one doesn't need to have a side, but uh, I'm not going to get into the politics of that. Just the idea that by not having this concept of two things can be true, this person in my life was very inclined to believe any negative story about J.K. Rowling. And I think the most recent or dangerous, and I think this is dangerous, uh, example of that was during the beginning of the pandemic um, and Donald Trump came out and said publicly that this was not, you know, the, the coronavirus did not come from a wet market, it escaped from a lab. And because he said that, it was immediately demonized by, you know, CNN and all like corporate media and all liberals as, well, if he said it, it cannot be true. And it became part of the, you know, to utter that became you were a conspiracy theorist. And now, years later, we see, you know, a lot of organizations, American organizations have quietly, uh, you know, admitted that, well, yes, the lab link theory is probably the most likely explanation, or at least as likely. But for certain, it is no longer in the realm of conspiracy theory. But because 
Donald Trump said it, a lot of people on the left just became like, oh my God, he can't be, right? Or Joe Rogan taking uh, ivermectin to treat. Oh my God, if he took it, uh, absolutely, it's it can't be good. And I'm not here to defend ivermectin. I'm just here to think, to say like, two things can be true. Someone can be, in your eyes, a garbage person and still say something that is right and vice versa. Someone may, in your eyes, be the paragon of virtue and say something incredibly wrong. You know, Adolf Hitler was a vegetarian who loved his dog. We don't go around condemning people who are vegetarians or people who love their dogs because Hitler did them. Like that's, you know, that notion is insane. It's an insane notion, but we do it all the time. We are constantly demonizing things or just blanket putting whatever somebody says this ad hominem attack. If someone is garbage in our eyes, we will just label everything they say as garbage. And if they're good, we will accept everything. So what to me, another problem with that is, you know, we seem, we really now judge people not by their actions, by, by what they say. Uh, you know, um, uh, oh my gosh, I forget his name. Blues guitarist. <laughs> I always forget this guy's name. Uh, so maybe I'll remember it. Eric Clapton. Thank you. I did. Uh, he, you know, at the in the pandemic came out and he said, oh, and, and he'd had like a, a negative interaction with um, a vaccine. And he basically said, I will not play a concert uh, if everybody in that concert has to be vaccinated. And that earned him a lot of uh, negative publicity, shall we say. In fact, I even saw memes ridiculing his dead son. And I thought that's disgusting and despicable. Uh, and also, meanwhile, Eric Clapton runs at his own money, at his own expense, places to, for, for addicts to rehab because he'd had a, a history with cocaine. And so he spends a lot of money on charitable organizations. But he said the wrong thing. And that got him a lot of negative feedback and a lot of vitriol thrown in him. Meanwhile, you have someone like Jim Carrey, who says lovely things, but for a long time, he and his former wife, uh, whose name I forget, it doesn't matter, uh, Jenny McCarthy, uh, worked very hard to demonize vaccinations. And, you know, there may be blood on the hands of Jim Carrey. He may have been able to talk because of his celebrity status, talk people into not getting their children vaccinated, which may have led to illness, disease, and possibly death. But he is lionized because he says all the right things. And that's, to me, a big problem, that we judge people more by what they say than what they do. And we accept blindly the people that we agree with. And we are constantly looking for validation of what we believe to be true and not challenging our own ideas. How are we supposed to grow and learn if we don't challenge our own ideas? And just think, 20 years ago, do you still believe that every today the things you believed 20 years ago? I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's what I wanted to say today. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I'll see you next time here on Deserts of Plenty. Please, please send me feedback. Uh, ask uh, questions or not, but I don't know, rip me a new one, doesn't matter.
<laughs> I love all of it. Ralph at SoCap.ca, S-O-C-A-P.ca. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a good night. Bye.